Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about a theme that is summarized on a plaque that my wife made for me a number of years ago. I've had standing up in my office a a picture frame with a uh, appliqued kind of uh, printing inside of it that has this scripture passage, which my wife gave to me, uh, really for two reasons. She said when she gave it to me, uh, this really typifies the kind of man you are, for which I'm grateful. And then she said, and it reminds you of the kind of man you have to be if you're going to be the leader God wants you to be. So this display item on my desk was both an encouragement (laughs) and a warning. And I took it from my wife as both a pat on the back and a kick in the pants. She said, I admire you for who you are, but I warn you, if you're not careful, you can lose the very things that make you successful in the first place. So today, I want to talk with you about the unholy trinity of leadership downfall. The unholy trinity of leadership downfall. Now, Trinitarian formulas are important in the Christian faith. Of course, the most important one of these is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are a Trinitarian people, and we express the Godhead in this way. Another trinity in the Christian faith are the trinity of the core graces of our faith. These are faith, hope, and love. And you see this holy trinity of graces, if you will, repeated throughout Scripture, often linked together, and used to describe the core character qualities of a person who follows Jesus. So the Trinity uh, expressed in the Godhead, the Trinity expressed in these graces, if you will, of Christian service, but the unholy Trinity. What is the unholy Trinity? Well, it's also found throughout the Bible. It's mentioned in uh, a number of different places, portions of Scripture and locations throughout the Scripture and also in some specific passages of Scripture. But the unholy trinity of leadership downfall are these three words, money, sex, power. Money, sex, and power. Now, as I've said, these are common themes throughout the Bible. There's certainly common themes in the Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs and more broadly, in the wisdom literature. As you read through uh, Proverbs and the wisdom literature, you'll see repeated references on these three important subjects, money, sex, power. And you will see uh, both instructions about their wise use and also warnings about how they can be so destructive. Carrying that idea over into the New Testament, 1 John 2.16 describes these three 
qualities this way, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions. Lust of the flesh, sex. Lust of the eyes, power. Pride in one's possession, money. It doesn't take much to see in this unholy trinity these same words, even though the words aren't exactly used. Now, what is this passage of scripture my wife gave me years ago, and what does it mean for us today? Well, I'm reading it to you from Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 to 20 from the Christian Standard Bible. And it says this, However, he must not acquire many horses for himself, or send the people back to Egypt to acquire many horses, for the Lord has told you you are never to go back that way again. He must not acquire many wives for himself, so that his heart won't go astray. He must not acquire very large amounts of silver and gold for himself. When he is seated on his royal throne, he is to write a copy of this instruction for himself on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It is to remain with him, and he is to read from it all the days of his life so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to observe all the words of this instruction, and to do these statutes. Then his heart will not be exalted above his countrymen. He will not turn from this command to the right or the left, and he and his sons will continue ruling many years over Israel. Now, before this instruction about writing this into a scroll and putting it before us that we might observe it all the days of our lives and putting it into our hearts and transmitting it to another generation, before all of those instructions, there are three different illustrations that relate to these three themes of money, sex, and power. The first one is this allusion to horses. Let's read it again. However, he must not acquire many horses for himself or send the people back to Egypt to acquire many horses, for the Lord has told you, you are never to go back that way again. Now, what's this business about horses? Well, in the culture of the day in which this text was written, horses symbolized power. They symbolized authority or influence. And so when the passage cautions about not acquiring many horses, it's advising not to acquire power, authority, or influence. Now, it's advising that you not acquire those things from inappropriate sources or in inappropriate ways, it says. He must not acquire many horses or send the people back to Egypt to acquire many horses. For the Lord has told you, you are never to go back that way again. Now, this passage warns that we are not to acquire power from inappropriate sources. It also warns that we are not to use people in inappropriate ways to accentuate our use of influence, power, or authority. And it advises that we are never to go 
to inappropriate sources to increase the power we have over others. If I were summarizing it in a sentence, I'd say, stop manipulating the situation to your advantage. Just stop manipulating. Stop manipulating people. Stop manipulating uh, uh, procedures, policies. Stop manipulating the situation to your advantage. Now, I'm going to point this out as we go through in all three of these areas, but let's just emphasize it right here at the beginning with this horses illustration. The text says, he must not acquire many horses for himself. And in that phrase, for himself, we see the, the, the nexus, if you will, or the, or the centerpiece of what's wrong in this situation. It wasn't the acquiring of horses that was the problem. It was the acquiring from, for, of horses from inappropriate sources, in this context, Egypt, in inappropriate ways by going back there again and for an inappropriate purpose, meaning for himself or for his own self-aggrandizement, if you will, or his self-fulfillment. I want to really emphasize this because on other podcasts I've taught you that it is appropriate for ministry leaders to have authority and power. Those uh, qualities uh, come to us as ministry leaders. We have authority and we have power. And I've, I've talked talk to you about this extensively in past episodes. So this passage is not saying don't have authority, don't have power. That's impossible if you're going to be a leader. A leader has authority. We have power. We have influence. No doubt about it. And we're supposed to learn to use it well and wisely and for the benefit of others and the expansion of God's kingdom. So it's not having power, authority, or influence that's wrong. It's having power and authority and influence in violation of the cautions of this passage. In other words, it's having uh, authority and power and influence that you accrued, if you will, from inappropriate sources that you gained in manipulative ways and that you've used not for the benefit of others or the expansion of God's kingdom or to make sure that, uh, that your position was leveraged for good. No. This passage warns about using power, authority, and influence for yourself. This is the great sin associated with power. It's not having power. It's not having authority. It's not having influence. That's not the great sin. The unholy trinity of leadership downfall related to power is using it for yourself. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get the most I can out of this situation. I'm going to structure circumstances where I'm taken care of. I want to make sure that I'm the one who benefits. I'm going to make every decision to feather my own nest, further my own cause, help my family, and make me look good. That is what this passage warns against. So, the first of the 
unholy trinity of leadership downfall in this text is power. And the problem is not having power, but gaining it from wrong sources and using it in wrong ways. Well, let's go on. Then the text says, he must not acquire many wives so that his heart won't go astray. Now, in this context, wives is referring to that category of behavior related to sexuality, marriage, and morality. And in this context, it may have likely also been speaking about and against idolatry. It was not uncommon in uh, ancient, the ancient world where a person might take more than one wife to find himself deluded in his worship of God because of the wife from other countries and cultures and backgrounds and religions bringing her worship into and deluding the worship of a family. Might have been included in that as well. But it certainly is a warning against developing any alliances which compromise the standard of having a wife that you love, that you're fully devoted to, and that you are exclusively related to in an intimate fashion. Now, this warning, while it's couched only in terms of does not acquire many wives, is again speaking to us about any behavior related to our sexuality or morality, which violates or contradicts this priority and singular relationship that we have with our spouse. This passage is telling us also, however, that the root issue which makes it sin in any of these situations is that we use these relationships to be self-serving. You see, I skipped a phrase again when I read this to you. Let me go back and add it. The Bible says he must not acquire many wives for himself. <laughs> There's that same phrase that we've already encountered in the previous passage about the horses. For himself. You see, what's at the core of sexual sin, whether it's adultery or pornography or voyeurism or any other kind of sexual sin, what's at the core of it is selfishness. It's saying you're going to do whatever you want to do to experience the feelings that you desire, the satisfaction that you crave. You're going to do whatever you want to get what the feelings that you really need to feel. That's why the passage says, for himself. It's not warning against acquiring many wives because of any other reason, like it would be bad politically or it would be bad for the people who didn't have someone to care for these women. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that it could be done. But in this text, it's for himself. Keeping the focus where it belongs on avoiding selfishness as the centerpiece of how we manage our sexuality, our morality, and our relationship with our spouse. As I said, this is what's at the root of sexual sin for leaders. Selfishness. Making it all about you. And the text warns about letting that happen. And then there's a third warning. It says, he must not acquire very large amounts of silver 
and gold. Now, notice again uh, that this silver and gold is an example or an illustration of something of obvious intent or meaning, money. But notice again the phrase I left out, he must not acquire very large amounts of silver and gold for himself. This phrase is repeated three times in this text. Don't acquire many horses for yourself. Don't acquire many wives for yourself. And don't acquire large amounts of silver or gold or money for yourself. Three times it's repeated in this text. Emphasizing here at the end that there's not anything wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having some. Nothing wrong with gaining more. As long as you're doing it for the right reason, your motive is pure, and the reasons you want to have the money are pure, and what you plan to do with the money is pure. If that's the case, then there's nothing wrong with amassing some resources. But when you amass those resources just to spend them on yourself. That's what the text warns about. This means leaders have to practice self-restraint in the area of finances. We have to live below our means and be a generous donor and uh, manage uh, with circumspection the uh, resources given to us by our ministry organization, meaning things like expense accounts or even ministry funds that are made available to us to spend on the work that we're doing. We have to be careful with all that because it's so easy to make it about ourselves. So my wife gave me this passage of scripture printed and framed many years ago. I've had it on my desk for a long time. I read it uh, from time to time. I, I see it every day. And it reminds me to be aware of the unholy trinity of leadership downfall, money, sex, and power. And in the context of this passage, power, sex, and money. And using the illustrations of this uh, display item that my wife has given me, horses, wives, and silver and gold. Now, the unholy trinity of leadership downfall, money, sex, and power, does not have to take you down. It is not inevitable that every leader will fail in these areas. It is, however, inevitable that every leader will be tempted in these areas. The first sign that you're in trouble on these three areas is when you think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> If you think that doesn't apply to you, back up and start over with this podcast because it definitely does apply to you. You will be tempted. You will be tempted in how you use power to make it about you. You'll be tempted in managing your sexuality to make it about you. You'll be tempted in how you handle your money to make it about you. You will be tempted and forewarned is forearmed. Now that you've been told that you're going to be tempted, don't shake your head and say, well, I didn't see that coming. How can you not see that coming? I'm telling you today, 1,000% true. 
on the authority of the Bible and the experience of countless ministry leaders, you will be tempted. The devil is coming for you. And he's coming for you on these three issues, money, sex, and power. So the first step in resisting these things, the first step is to fully understand that you are in a battle, that it is inevitable you're going to have to fight it, the temptations are real and they're going to come, and you are not exempt from having to deal with these issues. That's number one. Second, it is likely, and I say likely because I, I can't, I can't cite you a chapter and verse on this. I can only cite my experience and the experience of maybe dozens of other ministry leaders I've talked with. It is highly likely that one of these areas will be more difficult for you than the other two. Maybe you're going to struggle more with sexuality. Maybe you're going to struggle more with power. Maybe you're going to struggle more with money. But you're going to have to decide how you're going to confront that most pernicious of difficulties in your life and take it on seriously. For me, of the three, it was the issues around sexuality. So I had to make some hard choices when I was a younger man. One of the ones I made that uh, I wrote about in the character of leadership is that I just decided early on that I just was not going to be able to put in front of my eyes images of uh, uh, nude women and maintain the moral purity that I wanted and the purity of thought life I wanted toward my wife. And so I made the decision more than 40 years ago that I would not uh, go to or enjoy R-rated movies. Uh, in any capacity, and so I haven't. Now, that doesn't mean there's not been some good, wholesome uh, movies that had an R-rated because of the content, maybe of the depth of the seriousness of the material or or maybe some issues related to warfare, those kinds of things. I'm not saying every R-rated movie is full of sexuality, but a lot of them are. And I just made a decision. This is going to be an area of my life. I know I'm going to struggle. I'm already dealing with it as a young man. I need to limit the input that comes into my life in this area. And so I made a firm decision, and I've been able to avoid countless hundreds, if not thousands, of mental images of nude women other than my wife because of that single decision. Now, that's not the only decision I made, but that's what I'm talking about when I say if there's one of these three that's a particular problem for you, You're going to have to take particularly strenuous, aggressive action to protect yourself in that area, to resist that temptation, and to cut off venues and avenues, if you will, of how the devil can intercede in your life and bring that temptation to bear. Now, others of these may not be as difficult for you. For example, money has not been that big of a one in my life. Now, I have been tempted about money. Don't misunderstand me. Everybody is. But I haven't been tempted about money nearly as much as I have about sexuality, because in the area of money, when I was just starting out as a Christian, I had some outstanding teaching on this subject. 
I took it seriously. I put it into practice. And basically, we've lived our entire lives, uh, my wife and I, our entire adult lives, uh, with the same convictions about money and uh, about giving and about stewardship and about saving and about spending and about limiting our standard of living so that we didn't exceed anything about what we had and all of that. And while that's been a struggle because we had to live on a minister's salary, and especially in the early years when we had our small children, I get it. It was hard. But I was never really tempted to, 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 to not do the right thing in that area to the extent that I was tempted in the area of sexuality. Now, power, uh, that's kind of been a middle one for me. I, I've had moments when this has been more of a struggle and less of a struggle, but not nearly uh, as, as easy as money or as hard as sexuality. Now, you may have a totally different story. You may say, no, 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 no. For me, it's always been about the money. I have constantly been tempted about that, and I've had to really do battle on that one. Or for you, you might say, well, to me, it's been about the power, and I'm constantly having to deal with that and about all the things that go along with that. I'm just simply saying that my experience and my observation of many other leaders has been, while we're tempted in all three of these areas, And we have to be aware that we're going to be tempted in all three areas, and we have to be aggressive in taking those temptations on. We also have to recognize that there's probably one of these three where we are particularly susceptible, and we will feel that we're doing the greatest amount of battle. We have to take extra steps to protect ourselves, to train ourselves, to develop accountability around ourselves, to maintain our leadership in that particular area. All right, so we're going to be aware of the temptation and we're going to single out the area that's the hardest for us and we're going to really focus on that one and make sure, make sure that we do appropriate battle on that front. Now, another issue about this is that this unholy trinity, um, we have to be aware of how other people around us that are, we're training in leadership, are dealing with these issues, and keep raising them over a lifetime. Now, for example, I, I'm now in my mid-60s, and some of these issues I've been dealing with for so long that they become kind of life patterns, ingrained life patterns, and, and I feel like I've, uh, I've come to some, some success in some of these areas. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way or a proudful way. I'm still on my guard, believe me, about all three of these. But sometimes I forget how serious these problems really are for younger leaders. And so if you're an older leader today and you feel like, yeah, Jeff, I hear you on the podcast, but, but I think I'm doing okay in those areas, I, I, I'm glad for that. But would you take on the responsibility of continuing to raise these issues in your organization with your younger leaders and to talk openly about them and about resisting these areas and about being strong in these areas and not letting these areas trip us up? Don't take for granted that we have to stay uh, wise in bringing these issues to the forefront, talking about them, and teaching others how to deal with them. Well, today on the podcast, we've talked about the unholy trinity of leadership downfall. Trinities matter in the Christian faith, but this one, unfortunately, matters to the negative. Money, sex, and power. It's a common theme throughout the Bible of the primary issues leaders struggle with over their lifetime. It's prominent in the wisdom literature. It's taught 
throughout the examples of the judges and the kings. It's summarized in various places in the New Testament. And I've given you Deuteronomy 17, 16 to 20, which is a special passage that my wife has used to both encourage me and warn me over the years. So today, I want to challenge you. Take on the challenge of resisting these unholy trinities. Take on the challenge. Stand against inappropriate use of money, sex, and power in your life. Recognize you're going to be tempted, but you can stand against that temptation and do what's right. And recognize that the primary temptation is to make it about you, that your money, your sexuality, your use of power, if it's about you, it's become sin. And then, if there's one of these three areas that's a particular struggle for you, do extra work. Create extra accountability, extra standards of excellence, extra checkpoints to keep you on track. Do what you have to do to win the big battle if one of the three of these is significantly more difficult than the other two. And then, especially if you're an older leader, don't forget the responsibility we have to keep raising these issues in our organization, keep raising these issues with our staff, keep raising these issues with people we mentor and train and develop so that they might understand how to resist these temptations and how to stand against the hardest ones of these that come against us. The unholy trinity of leadership downfall. Don't let it get you. Stay strong as you lead on.